This is real hacking. This is not TikTok hacking. Oh, uh, we have a problem. They're trying to stop me. It's okay. If I can just get past their firewall, we might have a chance. The organization who has been executing these hacks is a, a company, a company, a group uh, known as Klops, you know, and they have a website on the dark web where they keep track and they show you who they've hacked. So this has been, now it has been exploited, but uh, Move It, or Progress, is trying to get everybody to patch, but as we know, not everybody patches when new patches come out. Since the attack has come out, we have a uh, proof of concept that has been developed, and let me show you that. This is a proof of concept of the exploit. I've got it over here in Cali. Here it is. Okay, this is something I really love. You can get free training using the link below. Go to juniper.net forward slash David Bomble and get free networking training, free security training, DevOps training, a whole bunch of other training for free from Juniper. Not only do you get free training, but if you go through their assessments, you can get a discount on your exam and you can get certified for $50 at the associate level, for example. I really want to thank Juniper for sponsoring my channel. Really want to thank them for creating this free training and making it affordable to more of us. Many of you have told me that it's difficult to pay for some of the training out there, but here's your chance. You can get free training from Juniper and by going through an assessment, you can get your exam for a very good price, $50. I love this kind of stuff. I love it when big companies support the community and help educate and change lives. Big shout out to Juniper for doing this. Everyone, David Bombal back with Occupy the Web. He is my most requested guest. So really happy to have him back. Occupy the Web, welcome. Hey, thanks David. It's always good to be on the best IT and cybersecurity channel on YouTube. I really appreciate you saying that, Occupy the Web, and you are one of the big reasons uh, that people love my channel. I'll just say this for everyone who's watching. I was on Reddit the other day, and someone commented about, David's YouTube channel isn't so good, but what keeps it good is Occupy the Web. So Occupy the Web, thank you for making my channel great. <laughs> I enjoy it. It's, it's always a good time with you, David. So just for people who haven't seen our previous videos, he's the author of this book, Linux Basic for Hackers. Fantastic book. Look on Amazon, gets amazing reviews. Also, Network Basics for Hackers as well as getting started becoming a master hacker. Occupy the Web, I know you don't like to give timelines, but I've had people say, when is your new book coming? So you're hopefully we're going to see another book from you at some point, right? Probably see two new books from me next oh, year in 2024. Um, the one that I keep on getting questions about is the Cyber Warrior Handbook. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that one probably be coming in late uh, 2024. So look for that. It's going to be based upon a lot of our experiences in Ukraine. It's going to be Cyber Warrior, right? What, what, what kind of technique? What kind of, of hacks did we use in uh, Ukraine and what other cyber warriors can use in the future? So look for that. That's coming from No Starch Press. We hope to have some updated uh, editions of the other books as well coming out. So I'm, I'm working on, I'm working on it. It's, 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 you know, a lot of people think that, you know, writing a book is a quick and easy process, but it, it takes, it takes time and you have to work with editors and you know, and, and companies who then publish them. And sometimes, you know, it, it, it's a year between finishing a book and actually having it published. So, so just kind of be patient, folks. I don't know where you get the time because you're doing so many, so many other things as well. So I really appreciate, you know, taking the time to share uh, your knowledge on YouTube. 
Um, and I believe today we've got like a really interesting topic that's, you know, very fresh. So as I said offline, uh, I want to keep quiet and let you take us on this journey. So Move it, I believe, is, is what it's about, right? Yeah, Move it is um, Move it's the software that is a file transfer software that's used by a lot of large organizations around the world. And it's been hacked and it's compromised a lot of companies. It's going on right as we speak. It began at the end of May. Okay, we started seeing it. And it's happening, well, this morning, okay, we saw Taiwan Semiconductor got hit with it. And the list of companies is really, really long. I could just name just a few. Siemens, uh, Schneider Electric, UCLA, Aer Lingus, uh, BBC, British Airways, and, and many, many more. And so I think we're up to about 150 companies that have been hit, and this is still taking place. I can show you the, the uh, well, the organization who has been executing these hacks is a, a company, a company, a group. Uh, known as Clops, you know, and they have a website on the dark web where they keep track and they show you who they pack. And if you want, I can show you yeah, their website. Yeah, please do. Yeah, please right, do. Here's, okay, this is Clops's website. This is on the dark web, um, and they have a long list of uh, companies that they've hit. Uh, I didn't know they hit Nuance, too, okay? And there's more and more every day. And this is kind of their, it's it's a Russian language web, Russian language group who's doing this. This is, uh, starts off says, we got a lot of emails about government data. We don't have any government data, anything directly residing on exposed or bad, protected, not encrypted file transfer. It's very poor English, right? These, these guys are Russian language um, native speakers, and they've been very effective. You know, we've talked on here before about, real live hacks that sometimes take weeks, months, years. It's apparent that these guys have been working on this for at least two years, okay? Two years to to be able to execute this. We, we see them scanning these sites as of two years ago. I think it was July 2021 is the first time we saw them scanning sites. So they've been working on this for at least two years. One of the things that they, they say here is that I find kind of humorous is that they say, uh, we are a penetration testing service, okay? <laughs> wow. <laughs> so they're calling themselves a penetration testing service. We are only financially motivated and do not care anything about politics. Now, I find that a little disingenuous, maybe is the best word for it. When somebody says they're not interested in politics and explicitly states that, I, I get, I question that. Right? Why are you saying this? Because one of the things that we note is that the, the focus of these attacks are against companies in Britain and companies in the U.S., both of yeah. who are major supporters of Ukraine and the war with Russia. And this is a Russian hacking group, right? Yeah. And, and basically, they are a ransomware organization. But in this case, they, they don't look like they're ransoming. They're more extorting money from the organizations. They're saying, we've got all your data. Unless you pay us, we're going to reveal all of your credit card information, personal identifiable information of your customers. In the case of Taiwan Semiconductor, it looks like they may actually have intellectual property that is important for Taiwan Semiconductor, who is the largest 
boundary of semiconductors in the world. You can see down below, it says, we see BBC decide to take what we told them in email and like what most media do, twist it to their own interest. So here's, here's kind of his instructions they give the people who they've, uh, they've hit about what they need to do to be able to avoid. And basically, they're extorting money out of uh, companies. And this is a piece of software that's mostly used by very large organizations to be able to transfer data safely, they thought. Yeah, supposedly. Yeah. yeah, supposedly safely between different cloud organizations, cloud groups. I like that they they sign it off as friendly cloud. Friendly top here at the bottom, right? Friendly, as long as you pay us millions of dollars in ransom. Right, as long as you pay us millions. I think they're asking $70 million from Taiwan Semiconductor as of this morning. This is a this is a pretty serious situation. And like I said, they've worked, been working on at least two years. There's a couple of, there's at least two different vulnerabilities involved in here. And there, there's one, the first one was CVE 2023-34362, and then there's CVE 2023-35708. All right, here it is. In Pro, Progress is the name of the company. Progress, move it, transfer before 2021-06. You can see the, the version numbers there. A SQL injection vulnerability found in the move it, transfer web application that could allow an unauthenticated attacker to gain access to move its transfer database. Depending on the database engine being used, you see people are using various databases, MySQL, SQL Server, Azure. Uh, they can basically take over and move the data to wherever they want. And they can put, they can get themselves sysadmin privileges as well as then put in remote code execution. Uh, they can put their own remote code into it and and exfiltrate the data from the database. Um, this is, you can see, it's a, it's a severe, very, severity is very high. Okay, 9.8 right here. That's about as high as you can go. You go to 10. So this is pretty serious. It's interesting because a lot of people would say on YouTube, you know, SQL injection is old school. No one's going to use it anymore. But here's an example of it just being used like yeah. as we talk. That's interesting comment. I know a lot of people say that. They say, hey, you know, SQL injection is nobody uses that anymore. Yeah. Well, here's here's the truth. All right. SQL injection's been around since the beginning of the web. All right. And so when if you have gone through a cybersecurity class or hacking class, they probably demonstrated a really simple SQL injection where you can send SQL command. So let's talk about what SQL injection is. SQL injection is sending SQL commands through a web form, okay, to the backend database. As you know, almost every website has a backend database. And this MySQL is probably the most popular, the open source database that's now owned by Oracle. And the way to prevent SQL injection is to basically sanitize the inputs. So that means that you don't allow SQL commands to go to the backend database. And in some cases, you don't allow any of the SQL uh, special characters or SQL keywords go to the backend database. But there's ways of getting around it. And that's what these folks did. They looked at the code and they were able to figure out ways to get around that sanitization process. 
And so they were able to send some SQL commands into the database that basically gave them, they added themselves in as an admin user in the database. And then once they're in as admin, they can do whatever they want. It might be interesting to take a look at Shodan to see how many of these systems there are in the world. Shodan is a, a website that cat, it catalogs all of the banners that websites and ports on, on the websites present to themselves. And you can find an awful lot of interesting stuff on it. So we can go and we're using the, the Favicon to be able to identify it. And so uh, these are there's 2,000 systems that are still connected. Now, as of a few days ago, it was 2,500. And so now we're at uh, down to about 2,100. There's at least two ways to be able to find these websites. One of them is using the Favicon that's specific to that particular piece of software. And of course, you could also just put in move it, you know, and that'll reveal about 500 in the header. Oh, 780. Okay, more than I remember. Here's Siemens Energy. Okay, these are the guys who just got hit recently. Siemens Energy. And these are the companies who are using MoveIt. You can see it right here. It's in, there's MoveIt, there's MoveIt, MoveIt, Transfer, SFTP. These are the companies who are using MoveIt. Now, MoveIt, or Progress Software, has gone ahead and put out some patches, but it seems like every once a week we find, or they find, and other people find, more vulnerabilities in this software that allows uh, CLOP to be able to take over these websites and exfiltrate, you know, terabytes of data that um, they can then use and hold for ransom from these companies. These are big, big companies. You're not going to find small companies using this. Uh, it's mostly, you can see some of the organizations listed here. This is how CLOP is finding their targets, and it is one of the ways they're finding their targets. It's simply looking it up in Shodan and some of the other search engines they can find um, and we're seeing there's still a lot of them who are still connected to the web. Since the attack has come out, we have a uh, proof of concept that has been developed. And let me show you that. This is a proof of concept of the exploit. I've got it over here in Cali. Here it is. It's a, I don't know how many lines, 300 lines or so. And you can see that there's a, some SQL injection right here. And they're basically inserting into the database some tokens to give them access. It says, create our SQL injection statements right here. Now, generally, when people think about SQL, they're usually thinking about some select from where statements, right? These are insert and update statements. This allows them to insert themselves as a user and even a, a privileged user on the site. All right. And once they have privileged user, they can log in. You can see it allow logins with an external IP. Okay, insert into host permits, and then going ahead inserting themselves to permit their IP address. And it's kind of there's some interesting analysis on the web by Horizon AI3, I think is the name of the company, and and Huntress and a few others. I think also uh, Rapid7 has done some good analysis of the exploit. One of the things that they did, and oftentimes what we do to be able to determine how an exploit works, is you simply take a look at the code, the move it code, both before and after the patch. Right? So those of us who are on the outside who are privy to what's actually going on, you can simply look at the code before a patch 
and after the patch and see what the differences are. And then once you see what those differences are, then you can recreate the exploit. And that's what basically where this comes from right here is that this proof of concept comes from basically reading the patches. So when we see how the company tried to close the vulnerability, we can see what they did and then recreate the exploit. So that's what this is here. This is basically recreating the exploit or reverse engineering the exploit based upon looking at the patch that was built for this particular exploit. One of the things you know that you're often taught in uh, in SQL injection. Let's see what we want. We've got. Uh, I always got a little database up here. This is DB Beaver. It's a it's a, a GUI for working in databases in Kali and in other Linux distributions. But generally, you know, when you talk about a, a SQL injection, the, what they'll teach you is to do something. You know, they go select. Just going to write a few simple SQL statements. So generally what they'll teach you is something like this. Okay, select star from, all right, and then a table name, say, you can see this is a, a sample database over here. So it's select star from, say, album, all right, okay. And then where, artist ID, let's go name, where, let's change it to, instead of album, we'll change it to artist just to make it more interesting. We're artist, and we'll go name is equal to whatever, right? I mean, we could go, let's go ahead and uh, let's take a look at this database just get, so we can put together some examples here. I'm going to go ahead and execute, and here's, you know, here's some of the, the people who are in that database. It's all musicians. Let's try something that's uh, Aerosmith is easy to, to go ahead and we're going to go where. I was just thinking of that as an easy name. Yeah. <laughs> where uh, name is equal to, and you got to use the, you know, when you're talking about text, it has to be in single quotation marks in, let's go Aerosmith, when you're talking about SQL. All right, so then you can go ahead and just go and hit enter. All right, so here we have, this is a, a simple select statement. It's called a query in SQL. And what we've done is simply asked the database for this particular, select all the columns to star from the table artists. You can see the artists over here, where name is equal to Aerosmith. Now, typically, in when people are teaching how to do SQL injection, what they'll do is they'll throw in dash dash. Okay, dash dash is a comment character. So this means that everything that comes after it is not seen by the database. So, you know, the classic is or one is equal to one. And this would be actually sending this back through a form. And I'm just going to show you the classic SQL injection and then what these guys did, which is really quite different and quite advanced. So here, this is this is the classic one that's taught in all hacking cybersecurity classes. I'm going to expand it a little bit. So here's a login form where it's asking us for a name and a password. What happens is that one can go ahead and put in their name and then use a single tick all right, to close because the, the form has a single tick on its side, right? You have to close the single tick and then go or... Now, this is a logical or, so it has to be either OTW is a user in the database or one is equal to one, which is always true. 
and then dash dash, which means that everything that follows after it is going to be ignored. All right. This is the classic that is used, you know, everywhere to teach SQL injection. Now, if I were to be able to, if I'm building a web application and I don't want SQL injection to take place, what I will do is I will try to strip out, you know, these ticks and these dash dash, what have you, so they don't get past the form into the database. Unfortunately, what happened is that in the case of Move It, they left the ability to put commas between the fields, okay, commas between the fields, and the uh, the CLOP folks were able to uh, exploit those commas by stripping out the commas and being able to do their own injection. Here's the here's the Horizon website, okay. And this is, these are the folks who were one of the first to come out with a good analysis of it, okay? And here you can see the path to SQL injection. So path to the vulnerable user get users with email address. That's the, that is the function that has the SQL in it that they are able to exploit. And what they were able to do, okay, here's the email address here, is that the function goes ahead and allows them to put, here it is right down below here, all right? Select username, and you can see if you look closely that there are some commas. There's commas between the fields right here, and what they did was able to exploit that. You can see it says right here. It says the part of the query and email, okay, has been uncleaned argument, meaning that they didn't strip out and sanitize the input. The only caveat is injection is that prior to the call, the self-provisions receipts variable is split on commas. Our injected SQL statement should avoid having commas to continue proper execution. We can work around needed needing commas by reusing the SQL injection several times to do sequential statements such as insert and update. Now, as we follow, as we see over here in the proof of concept, here we go back here, that's what they're doing here is that they're going ahead and doing inserts and updates to the database and they're inserting themselves into the database. They're inserting themselves as users. They've created a fake token and then they've inserted their, you can see it right here, insert into token ID values token ID. And then they've updated the user external tokens and then they've gone ahead down below and inserted into the database their IP addresses that you know this is a system that has that has whitelisted IPs that means that they only allow certain IPs to connect to this uh, application so what they've done is go ahead and put in their own IP addresses so that it permits them to access these uh, this data that's built into these cloud-based database services and so this is a pretty sophisticated, it took a, a fair amount of time for them to be able to find the SQL injection vulnerability. This is an example of improperly sanitized SQL, where they tried to strip out any of the special characters, but they missed one. And as a result, they were able to exploit this. But once again, this is years of work of trying to analyze this code to be able to find this one flaw in the way that they took the data that's input through the form and then sent it back to the database. So almost every form, every form, we probably say pretty close to every form, has to take the data that you put into the form 
and send it back to the database, whether it's authentication or if you're like searching for a product or you're searching for a particular customer, the, when you go ahead and do a search on the form to be able to find a, a customer or a product, then that's taking that information that you have put input into the form and, and then taking that and putting it into a SQL statement, a SQL query, and pulling the data off the database and showing you, oh, here's the product that all meet that criteria, or here are the customers that all meet that criteria. In the old days, it was pretty easy to be able to do SQL injection, the classic one, just using you know, one is equal, one is equal to one and using the dash dash. But now people have gotten pretty sophisticated and are stripping out all of that SQL special characters. But occasionally they make a mistake. And here's an example of where they made the mistake. And, uh, and as a result, we have you know, millions of dollars worth of extortion or ransom that's being paid uh, to this particular Russian-speaking group. Now, we say Russian-speaking group doesn't necessarily mean that they're Russian. It could be there's many countries where Russia is still uh, a primary language, and, and many people, and for instance, in Ukraine speak. Russian and all the other Russian republics who are now free countries, Russian is still the dominant language. But we don't know where these guys are from. The U.S. government has offered a $10 million bounty to be able to identify them. This is pretty impressive work. You know, this is a this is an example of somebody spending years and years analyzing code to be able to find. And in this case, they probably didn't have the code itself. What they were doing is they were probably simply sending inputs. You know, what, one of the things that you do to find an exploit in, in any piece of software is what's called fuzzing. And fuzzing is the process of sending random or semi-random inputs into an application to see if you can break it. That's that's fuzzing. There's lots of different fuzzing tools that are out there. My guess is that that's what these guys did, is that they fuzzed this and they fuzzed it for years using multiple types of input to be able to break the software. And then once you break it, then you can analyze to see what caused it to break. And I think now, like I said, this took them two years of doing this, and you know it's not you know it's not the uh, YouTube video or the TikTok video where it's thirty seconds or less to take over a Taiwan semiconductor or uh, BBC or British Airways. This is years and years of tedious work that's involved in this. So this is real hacking. This is not TikTok hacking. Oh, uh, we have a problem. They're trying to stop me. It's okay if I can. Just get past their firewall, we may have a chance. And this is where it takes a lot of really talented and smart people years of work to accomplish it. And it was because of the comma, right? That's the that was the it, it, that was the, the door. Com the comma. It allowed the commas to be able to be oh. passed exactly, and they were able to exploit that to be able to do their own SQL injection. And the injection is different than typically is taught in a hacking class, and that these are these are inserts and updates. Right. So when we go ahead and put a new line into a, a database, it's an insert statement. Okay. When we want to update a line in the database, it's an update statement. So this is a little bit different than the query that we're working on, the simple query we're working on here. So we can update the database if we have proper 
credentials, right, is do an update or insert. And if you've ever looked at the code that creates a database, it's full of inserts and updates. And that's what these guys were doing. They were inserting themselves into the database that that decided who could have access. So these were these were a database of authorized users, and they put themselves in, and then gave themselves the permissions, and put themselves on the IP whitelist so they could access the database. And that's all you can find all of that in that proof of concept. And I think that proof of concept, if I remember correctly, comes out from uh, Horizon as well. You can take a look at it and analyze it yourself. But here it is here. It's a Python script. And then it starts off by just creating a bunch of functions. Okay, it sends a post request to the get guest access ASPX with specific data. This data causes the guest access ASPX to generate a CRSF token for our current session. So that's where they begin. And they, you know, rather than go into wherever you mine the code, but where they end up is inserting themselves into the authorized user database and are able then to to act just like the root or sysadmin and do all of that that individual can do. And they just exfiltrated the data and then are holding it hostage until they get paid. Occupied the web, that's amazing. Thanks so much for the demo. I've got some questions. So um, you mentioned the two CVEs. You've shown us one, right? What was the second CVE about? Uh, the second CVE is, is similar. It's 2023-35708. Let's put that up on the screen as well. It's another SQL injection into the same product at a different place, though. It says, in progress, move it, uh, transfer, and gives you the version numbers. A SQL injection vulnerability has been identified in the move it transfer web application that could allow an unauthenticated attacker to gain unauthorized access to move its transfers database. Very similar, but it's a different location. This was found about two or three weeks after the initial. And I think this one originally was, this one was found, was not being exploited in the wild. It was actually one that was discovered by researchers while they were looking at the code and they were trying to figure out you know, what had happened. I think Huntress is the company uh, that actually discovered this particular vulnerability in the same code, in the same product, in a very similar way, just in a different place in the code. So this has been, now it has been exploited, but uh, Move it or progress is trying to get everybody to patch, but as we know, not everybody patches when new patches come out. Right? Sometimes you know, people wait days, weeks, months, and, and obviously Taiwan, Taiwan Semiconductor got hit today. They know that they've got this software and they know a patch is out there, but they haven't gone ahead and patched it yet. And they may end up paying as many as $70 billion or $70 million. By the way, if those who don't know Taiwan Semiconductor, Taiwan Semiconductor is the largest semiconductor foundry in the world. They're not necessarily a developer of chips. They are a maker of chips. They're like a manufacturer of chips. So they've got huge revenues and they could pay a $70 million ransom and we'll see if they do. It's just, I mean, it, what's so fantastic about this um video and i really appreciate you sharing is you've taken us from the look this is the theory and this is what you learn in a class to here's it actually being used in the wild and um i think a lot of people make the mistake with like sql injection and stuff saying this stuff will never happen oh i get these comments always on youtube this is so dumb it will never happen 
um, for various technologies, but here's an example of it actually being used at the moment. Exactly. And what I've said before, we've talked about previously, is that these things you know, were easy to do 20 years ago. Could, you could do that simple SQL injection. I mean, I think I was able to do those simple SQL injections as little as like 10 years ago, right? <laughs> there were still some websites that you could use those, those simple SQL injections and get uh, authorized on that particular website. But most software today has been updated and improved and become more secure. So you have to be more sophisticated. doesn't mean that it can't be done. It means that you need to up your game to be able to use that type of, of uh, SQL injection. But most websites know you're not going to be able to do one is equal to one dash dash and be able to authenticate yourself on the system. You might find some. I mean, there's probably somewhere on the web, some old website that somebody's left behind with old software on it that you could do that. But when you're talking about secure sites, right, then you got to get a lot more. You, you need to really up your game to be able to do an attack like this. This, like I said, took at least two years, probably with a dozen researchers working for two years to be able to develop this. So the question is always, how do I learn this stuff? Have you got a class? Because I know you run lots and lots of classes. Are you covering this in any of your courses? Well, we do uh, We do uh, an advanced web app uh, hacking course that we just finished up and we did. We focused on that class, a lot of it on advanced SQL injection. Really not this sophisticated even. Even in that class, it's an advanced web app hacking class. And even at that, we didn't get this sophisticated. This is really, this is you know, state of the art. This is, you know, this this is big time hacking. This is APT type of hacking. You know, there's, it, like I said, you, you would have to spend years of research to be able to find this vulnerability. But yeah, we do have a class called Advanced Web App Hacking. We also have Database Hacking, where we focus on SQL injection. And there's lots of different SQL injection type of attacks. This is kind of the state of the art, the most sophisticated SQL injection you're going to see out there. There are other SQL injection attacks. You know, there's, there's the classic union statement. Just kind of give you a, if you've ever been into a SQL injection class, now, the classic is the union statement. So sometimes you can go ahead and stack statements on top of each other. So in SQL, we have uh, the ability to be able to stack queries on top of each other. All right, so here we go union. And what a union command does is it allows you to take one query and stack it on top of another query. And then sometimes in the form, you can go ahead and connect one query to another query. But there's the rules of it, and the rules are that you have to have, the queries have to have the same number of columns, otherwise it'll throw an error. But sometimes the error can be really useful to an attacker. One of the things that we teach people who are on the defensive side is do not allow error messages to get out because the error messages convey information that the attacker can use against you. And union statements will throw an error message that if it is conveyed to the attacker, gives them way too much information that allows them to effectively use a union statement. So you can do this, select star or whatever number of columns that you want. And uh, from the same, doesn't have to be the same table. It can be a different table. So we can go say, um, let's go to the album table and then go where, 
And let's see, on the album, we have columns are, we've got uh, title. All right, so where title is equal to, and then whatever title, album title. This allows us to connect, okay, two SQL statements together using the union. And the union requires the same number of columns. So here, if we were to run this, we would likely throw a error message because we don't have the same number of columns. And that error message is going to be able, you're going to be able to use that to determine how many columns there are and then keep on sending these union statements to the backend database until you have the column numbers right. And then essentially you can connect two SQL statements together to be able to access the data that you want and maybe even do an update or an insert like these folks did at CLOP. So that's, this is kind of, this is kind of the next level of SQL injection using the union statement. And it's oftentimes you need to spend a lot of time doing kind of hit and miss trial and error to get the union right. But when you do, you can pull out all kinds of the information and or do things like updates and inserts on the database. Or if you're just interested in doing a DOS attack, you can go delete the whole database or delete the table, right? And uh, and so then you would just, the system, if you had system admin privileges, you could delete the tables, the database, and do some serious damage to uh, to the, uh, the company or the owner of the database. You gotta tell me you've got some cool, amazing courses or classes coming up soon, right? At the time of this recording, we're in about July. Um, yeah, time we frame, have, what's coming up? We have uh, we have some interesting classes coming up. We have, in July, we have SDR for Hackers, where we're going to be able to use a software-defined radio to be able to intercept cellular and satellite signals. Uh, or we're going to be doing an advanced SDR for Hackers in 2024. We have uh, AI for cybersecurity coming up in uh, in September, we have Bitcoin forensics coming up, I think, in December. We have AI for cybersecurity in September. We have Android hacking coming up in October. And that's where we'll be looking at Pegasus and Pegasus twin uh, for Android there. We'll be building a femtocell in December. A femtocell, as you remember, we did a, a, a Mr. Robot on it, yeah. where a femtocell are what often referred to as uh, cell extenders so people who can't get cellular service the, uh, the the companies the cell companies sell a little product that essentially becomes a mini cell tower right? a mini cell tower that then connects their cell signal to the internet right? and back to the back end of the uh, the cell system those can be really effective hacking devices and they were used for instance in pegasus the folks who did the pegasus uh, the, when they sold pegasus to nso groups sold pegasus to certain countries it initially required that the individual had to click on a link and sometimes people like you and i are careful won't click on the link but if they put a femtocell or a stingray nearby, then it doesn't require any type of link because they're going to they're going to capture your cell signal, right? And when they capture your cell signal, then they can manipulate it in any way possible. So we're going to build a femtocell in that class. Uh, we'll also be working on building stingrays as well. 
which is the uh, ability to be able to capture cell signals uh, from any distance, analyzing the SS7 flaw in the cell system. The mobile system has this big flaw called SS7, where the, the cell systems connect, and that's often exploited by hackers to be able to, for instance, intercept two-factor authentication. We've got a bunch of, bunch of interesting things coming up, and uh, hopefully uh, people find them interesting. I find them interesting. I, I design classes in the things that I'm interested in, so other people might not be interested in it, but it's the stuff that I'm interested in that we, we design classes around that. And I love it. I mean, I'm so grateful that you share a lot of that on YouTube. So for everyone who's watching, Occupy the Web and I have discussed a bunch of topics. Um, one of the ones I know that a lot of people have asked for is uh, Bitcoin uh, tracing, because that's something we, we spoke about previously, but this was like in the news, so we decided to do this video first. Uh, put, it, put in the comments below any topics that you want us to cover. It's fantastic to be able to tap into Occupy the Web's uh, experience and knowledge so that we can all learn from him. Occupy the Web, as always, I really want to thank you for sharing. Um, thanks so much for putting this together so quickly. Oh, of course. I always enjoy being here, David, and I thought this was a really timely subject with this, this attack going on right yep. now, live. And so I wanted to kind of help people understand what was going on in, in this uh, this kind of mind-blowing, you know, earth-shattering attack that's taking place. But in our industry, mind-blowing and earth-shattering are an everyday occurrence. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.